Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. And folks, I told you we were going to have a, a great lineup of guests this week. I'm bringing out a man who needs no introduction. He is the same face, just in a very new place with a new gig, looking great as ever, Mr. Brett Friedlander. <laughs> How you doing, Brett? Always great to talk to you, Kenton, so that makes my day. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm excited to have you on, man. I'm excited to have you on. Hey, you know, when you got the new job, I told you, don't don't let the money change it. Don't get Hollywood <laughs> on me. You know what I mean? Don't, don't do it. And you have it so far. So I appreciate yes. that, Brett. I appreciate that. But we've got a jam-packed show today, okay? We've got a ton going on uh, from NC State being ranked as the, the uh, 13th overall team to uh, everybody say we're going to be on upset alert at, at ECU to some predictions in the ACC and talking a little bit of D-line. And we can't forget, Jada Boyd is now coming back. So we're going to talk about all that and more today. But before we get to that, how's the new gig going for you, Brett? It's a lot more work. Um, I'm cranking out seven columns a week now, and we're doing some crystal ball predictions on all the ACC teams, all 14 of them in, in Notre Dame. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, getting used to that, but it's good. I'm, I'm getting to know a lot more about the teams outside the, the, uh, the, the Old North State here. Yeah, so at this point, I, I'm I'm really looking at um I'm really looking at the the Notre Dame situation, and I'm just like, <laughs> are you are you in or are you out? Yeah, they they you know back in the day when you used to uh, be playing in the house and you used to go outside and go in, and your mom would say, pick one. You can't do both. You either gonna go out the house, or you gonna stay in the house. You are gonna pick one. Is AC is is the is Notre Dame ever coming in the house officially for Notre Dame? Or, I mean. For the ACC or what do we got going on? There? No, they're going to stay with one foot in, one foot out. And mm. uh, I, I think the uh, the new TV contract that they've got going on uh, that they're about to finalize with NBC is a good thing for the ACC because I think it means that Notre Dame is going to stay independent. And the best part of them staying independent, well, they're not going to be in the ACC in football, but they're also not going to be in the Big Ten. So that keeps that five-game contract every year with the ACC intact. <clears throat> which means the ACC's TV contract doesn't lose any value. So uh, I, I think they, they, they stay on the fence, and uh, it's the status quo. Now, the only thing that changes that is if the playoff situation doesn't change. If it stays only four teams and you have to be a conference champion, maybe then they start thinking about it. But if, if they expand the, the playoff like I think they're going to and Notre Dame gets that new TV contract uh, – they're not going to have to make a decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a very interesting tidbit about uh, Notre Dame there, but we're going to get into all NC State, all episodes. So Wolfpack fans, stick with us. This is going to be a great jam-packed show. You are locked on Wolfpack. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Brett, let me ask you this, okay? Number 13 ranking. This is the highest ranking in NC State history. Goes back to when Lou Holtz was the head coach, right? Yep. I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, like, throw out at a trivia night who was the skipper for NC State baseball last time um, <laughs> this happened? Because that's just way too far back. But I'm going to tell you this much. Uh, we all know Lou Holtz has been away from the game or out of the game, per se, 
for almost 20 years now. So with that being said, um, are these high expectations, expectations being as high as they've ever been in Raleigh, is this a good thing or a bad thing for NC State as far as this team? Well, first of all, I think it was Sam Esposito, but uh, I think it's an okay thing. If you go by history, it's not necessarily a good thing because the law of the wolf says that anytime the expectations are the highest, that's usually when NC State performs at the lowest. But listen, history is made to be changed and made to be, you know, the future is, 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 is wide open. And I think this is a different group. This is a different team. Um, I think that they've learned some really harsh lessons from the past couple of years, especially that uh, uh, the, the holiday bowl that was canceled. And I think they're extremely motivated. And I don't think they're going to take any of these 12 dates for granted. I think that they're going to be uh, up to the task and it'll be fun to watch. Okay, wait a minute. I'm a little disturbed by this because I just looked it up and you were close. Sam Esposito was an assistant coach. Oh, no. Uh, last time. But you were very, very close there. That's, you almost got it. I said, wait a minute. Uh, is this is this um, is this a, a thing? Did Brett have this already? And let me let y'all know this right now, fans. That my my reception went out the first time we recorded this. So we re-racked it from the top, but I did not throw that trivia in. The first time Brett just had this encyclopedic knowledge. My kids, of his my kids call me the black hole of useless knowledge. Now, mm. if you ask me what I had for lunch yesterday or if I paid the mortgage last week, I couldn't tell you because I won't remember. But but stupid stuff like that right there at the top of the top of my head. Absolutely. I'm Again, it's impressive. I'm going to tell you right now. It's imp- <laughs> I got a friend who uh, he knows like all of the award winners. Um, of like all the major awards for football, basketball, and baseball going back to like the 80s. He can like, if you're like, who's the MVP, who's the NFL MVP in like 97, he'll just instantly pop out with the answer. And I'm just like, how do you do this? How does your brain store this information? I don't, I don't understand. This is, this is very interesting. But anyway, so um, with that, with that being said, everybody is saying that NC State needs to be on high alert going into Greenville. Everybody's saying that this is, you know, we, we've drawn a lot of comparisons to the boys in Baby Blue, and everybody said, look what happened to them last year when the expectations were high and da-da-da-da. Look what happened last year in Starkville and da-da-da-da-da. Is this a game that you look at and you say, like, hey, NC State's got something to worry about here. This is something serious to worry about. Well, the comparisons with NC State uh, with uh, UNC and Virginia Tech in the opener last year are totally apples and oranges because uh, it, it, the, the, the team's just – were not as different in the talent level. Other than, than Sam Howell, that UNC had an incredible number of flaws, and I think it showed over the course of the entire season. Uh, NC State's going to go in there with superior talent at pretty much every position, and while mm-hmm. uh, East Carolina is a very good team, now they qualified to go to a bowl last year for the first time in seven years. They've got a fifth-year returning quarterback in Holton Aylers. It's, it's a good team. And they're going to have an incredible atmosphere down there at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium because they've been waiting for this. And they have traditionally given Carolina and State nightmares when they've gone down and played in Greenville. But I think NC State is well aware of the fact that East Carolina is not the pushover that they've been and the teams that they just blew out the last two times that they've seen them. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, they're way too motivated to just not show up. The only way State doesn't win this game or even makes this game a close game 
is if A, they just waltz into Greenville thinking this is going to be easy and don't bring their, their A game. If they even come close to bringing their A game and our focus is I think they're going to be, they'll take care of business. Now, it's not going to be a slaughter. East Carolina is going to put up a fight. But State's going to be the better team, and I think they're going to win this, and it's not going to be – it's not it's going to be competitive, but not close. Okay. I, I can feel that. I'm, I'm much more worried about the Texas Tech game, honestly. Uh, absolutely, much- because that's the, that's the kind of game State has really struggled in over the past few years. That non-conference game against a, a Power 5 opponent that is in the bottom half of its conference, and, uh, and, and they, they always seem to look past that. The difference with Texas Tech, though, is that this year it's at home. You know, you look at the uh, the West Virginia game a few years ago, the Mississippi State game last year. Those are games that are on the road. So I'm thinking that maybe they'll be fine in this one. The only thing that concerns me is that they look past it, you know, uh, to Clemson coming up two weeks after that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this team just, like I said, they're coming off a, a, a bitter disappointment that they have not gotten over, and they learned – how precious the opportunity is to play. And I just cannot see this team not showing up for one of those 12 games because, you know, they learned you only have so many opportunities to play. And some of them can be snatched away from you yep. out of the thin of night, out of yep. the, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's uh, one of those situations. Again, I, I think that, the, don't get me wrong, both of both teams have quality passing games that we're talking about, uh, East Carolina and, and Texas Tech, but that's, that's all that Texas Tech has been known for for forever. Yep. I mean, going back to even before Mike Leach, like that that team was known. They were going to air the ball out. They were going to uh, spread out, and your your corners were going to have to play some big-time ball there. So um, it's it's a situation where it's that is a game that concerns me a little because of what we saw out of our corners last year. I have not seen enough. And, again, ECU is good at passing the ball as well. We've talked about their quarterback. We talked Naylor's, I believe is his name, correct? Mm-hmm. Naylor's, we talked about him a little bit. Their receiver core is pretty good as well. They, they've got some weapons on the outside. Uh, big number 13 as well. They're tight end. Is he a tight end or H-back or what? I what think he's he? an H-back. It's basically okay. H-back is a tight end. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's 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 good at what he does as well. He's He is a, a very good uh, pass catcher as well. This I'm not saying that ECU is trash or horrible or anything by any means, but when I look at the difference between these two teams, there is a chasm in town. If we talk about how good Naylor's is, then you say, well, would you rather have him or Devin Leary? I don't think that's close. You talk Ayler's, about the- Ayler's, Holton Ayler's, yeah. Ayler's, not Naylor's. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Holton Ayler's. And then you get to uh, the linebacking core. We have one of the best in the nation, period. Regardless of conference, regardless of age, one of the best in the nation, period. And then the place where most games are won and lost, especially games where there's like a clear mismatch or, or games that are like blowouts, it's the big guys bringing back four or five starters from last year, bringing back a, a defensive line where you've got a first-team all-conference guy in uh, in Darden, and and you're bringing back Savian Jackson. You're bringing back C.J. Clark. You're bringing back a lot of guys who played a lot of ball. Like, David this Van. is not really a, a situation where I'm, I'm too concerned about game one. That is not the one that has me like, oh, hold on now. Oh, we, we, we got to be ready. So that's that's just my take there. And I and, – I'm going to tell you, I've been wrong before, and I, I I don't think that this is one of those situations where it's like, eh, I'm worried about being wrong here. I think you're right. I think on, on both lines, I think uh, at the point of attack, NC State is just much bigger, much better, 
much stronger. And I think that you're going to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that's, it's, it's, it's tough to win a game when you get manhandled up front, not only on offense, but on defense as well. So uh, like I said, if they show up and they're focused, they win the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm again, I'm my money's on state in that game and I'm, my money's on state to win big. And if you're a better, make sure you go to betonline.net. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. Um, this is uh, uh, the time of year where you can find reviews and news for every league, including baseball, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, and golf and esports. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting to scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Brett, Jada Boyd was leaving, you know, and I, I, mm-hmm. I talked about how it was a blow, but it, we were going to be all right. You know what I mean? But that was a significant blow given all that we've lost and expecting her to come back and be one of those players that was going to take a big step next year. Yep. But with that being said, she's back now. Yep. And and I, I, we're all excited about that. We're all very, very excited about this. So going forward into this season, what do you think as far as like having Jada Boyd officially coming back and all that good stuff, what impact do you think that has on this team? Oh, it's huge because both Jada and Jakia Brown-Turner have kind of been the stars in waiting over the last couple of years. Uh, They've been major factors, and now they're going to be the primary factors along with Diamond Johnson. And, and I just think that it's, it's, it's their time to shine. Having her back is huge because she's so versatile. You know, she, she can play inside. She can play outside. She can get to the rim. Uh, I, I just, and she defends like crazy. And we're going to need, you know, they're going to need somebody uh, to replace uh, um, uh, Kai Crutchfield. So listen, I think that team has got the potential to be just as good next year. And I think they're going to have the advantage of not being the hunted uh, I think that they're going to be overlooked by a lot of folks and, you know, everybody's going to be jumping all over, you know, obviously Louisville and, and, and Virginia tech and Carolina is going to get a little bit of love, you know, Courtney Banghart, gee whiz, what a, what a mess she is. But uh, I, I just, I just think that uh, her coming back makes us an even more complete team and a, and a deeper team. So uh, I, I just, it's, I think it's a huge development. You know, the thing that I find most interesting about this situation is um, the difference between her and what is Mimi Collins. Mimi Collins is a little bit longer, a little bit more, a little bit less explosive um, and, and probably a better shooter. Mimi Collins is a little bit better of a shooter, but that's about where that would end. If you're looking at minute for minute productivity um, last year, Mimi Collins averaged 7.9 points and 4.8 rebounds. Jada Boyd, 7.6 points, 4.4 rebounds. There is also a difference of nine minutes per game in that. I was going to say, look at the playing so time, because if, if you if you, if you you factor out Jada's stats over a 40-minute or even you know 30 minutes, yeah. they're even more significant. They're, they're definitely more impressive. So, yeah. And, and that is – this this team is, again, losing – Four really, really good players. Four mm-hmm. program changers. Yep. is a big deal. It's a big yep. deal. 
But this team, I'm expecting Jada Boyd to have a a take the next step breakout type season. I'm and expecting. You know, oh, go ahead. You, you, I was gonna say you you talk about the, the comparison between Mimi and and Jada, and, and that's what I'm talking about the depth. You're, this team is gonna be a deeper team. Last year they really only went maybe too deep on the bench. And, and I think this year with the transfers and with the, uh, the young players that are, are going to get some playing time now, uh, I, I, I think you're going to see him be able to go nine, ten deep. And, and it's absolutely crazy to think about because when you think about, well, who's, who's going to be the odd player out? There's so many. The, the player who ends up being the odd player out is still going to be a very quality player. Yep. Yep. Where, rather you say – um, whether you say that Camille Hobby doesn't end up the starting center and, and ends up coming off the bench, or whether you say that uh, Winter from uh, Florida from, State, yes, Winter from Florida State is uh, going to be coming off the bench as the the big. Whether you say with Jada Boy leaving, I with the thought of Jada Boy leaving, what I said was uh, Westmore does not try to fit square pegs in the round holes. We've seen in the past. Remember those teams where it was Maya Spencer and Dominique Wilson, and they did not have many quality bigs. So they would go four guards a lot. And that was what he did to get wins because that's what he had to do. I said that there would be a very similar situation here in regards to the fact that if they did not have, if they did not have a a post player or a post threat that could reliably, uh, you get them the ball on the block and they're going to do something with it. I don't think Westmore would have a problem playing like USF does, where it's like the bigs just get rebounds, just defend. Guards and wings, y'all do the scoring. But it's not going to be that situation, which is a little easier to guard uh, with Jada coming back. And not only that, but you talk about the bigs. I think you're going to have – you know, we mentioned Camille and we mentioned uh, the the Florida State transfer, Winter, I believe her name is. Um, You you don't – you know, they're they're two totally different players. Camille is, is, is a little undersized. But, you know, she can step outside and, you know, she's shown that she can rebound. And, you know, the, the girl from Florida State is very physical. She's big. And, and I think that, uh, you know, will give NC State the kind of inside presence they really didn't have last year. Because, you know, Alyssa Cunane, as good as she was, was you know, susceptible to being out physical inside and, you know, to, to be moved out of, the, out of the low post and everything. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. Absolutely. This is again, this is a situation where this team is going to look drastically different. Like, I I don't think that anybody is having any doubts about will this team look the same as it did last year? Of course not. This is going going to be a very, very different team. But with that being said, this different team does not mean that we're we should be expecting a completely different result. That's not the case. And also, we're thinking of River Baldwin. I don't know why I keep getting names wrong. I don't know why I keep getting names wrong today. That's on me. That's not you. I led with it, and I kept. I know. I know. I knew it had something to do with the elements or outdoors of some sort. I just remember she was at Florida State, and I just remember watching them in the ACC tournament last year, and how impressed I was with her. As physical as she is, as big and as bulky as she looks, she's Mm -hmm. very she's very athletic and, and does have some nice offensive moves. Absolutely, and again, there's. There is so much talent on this team. There is so much. Um, there are so many different ways that this team can play and and be effective. Because when you really look at everybody, I think that most people are looking forward to or are expecting Diamond Johnson to be um, the the one of the leaders on the team, one of the main 
uh, contributors, and, and many people are expecting her to be the main playmaker, and I have to disagree there. When I look at what Jakia Brown-Turner does with the ball, she always seems to make the right play. Whatever that play is, if it's her shooting, if it's finding the open player, she just does it at a, a higher clip than Diamond uh, Johnson has done, has done it so far. And so I think that the next step in Diamond Johnson's game is to be that playmaker, to be more efficient in her decision-making. And I think for Jakia, it is to be who you are night in and night out. Yeah. It's to show up and know, I don't have the luxury of expecting Alyssa to go off for 20, of expecting um, of expecting Kai yeah. to have one of her nights where she goes yeah. five or five from deep, of expecting Kayla Jones to have one of her nights where she's like two points or so off from a triple-double. I can't have that night where I expect that. I got to show up. I got to ball. I got to make this thing roll. You know, the thing about Diamond, too, is when she had the ball, when she was the, that main ball handler, she could get to the rim. She slashed and she was able to create for herself. But when it came to perimeter shooting, I thought she was better off the pass rather than the dribble. And that, you know, somebody else setting her up where she could set and be ready and, and square and shoot. I just thought she was a better shooter, not with the ball in her hand. Absolutely. And one player that I, I have not talked about enough on this show, but I need to talk about her more because I think that she's a player that's going to have a big impact on this team next year. Sanaya. Sanaya is a player that I think she's going to have a, a huge impact. Wow, it's another river. Anyway, Sanaya Rivers is a player that I think <laughs> is going to have a huge impact on this team because with what we have as far as our shooting outside, when you have a Diamond Johnson, when you have a Jakia Brown Turner, when you have players like that who can stroke, who can stroke from outside without any doubts, you have a Mimi Collins who can stretch the floor uh, to a degree as well. You have a Zaya James who, I mean, I haven't seen her take a lot of shots from deep, but if she's as good as that as she is everything else that we've seen her do yeah. on the court, we, we you know, it's going to be uh, a pretty easy time to get some space. Sanaya is a 6-1 guard wing hybrid that gets to the rim at will. When she wants to get to the basket, there's nothing you can do. Is you you, you want to say, well, we're going to build a wall, but guess what? If you then surround her with shooters, I mean, it's, it's a simple calculus here. In building your wall, you're going to need to take a piece from somewhere else to put there, and then, you know, she finds the open player. She shows why she was the um, Gatorade player of the year in North Carolina, I believe, for two years straight. Was she for two years straight? Or? Uh, at least one, but, yeah. Okay. She's, she's I know a transfer she won- from South Carolina, right? Right. Transfer yeah. from South Carolina, number three player overall in her class, which was only one year ago. So I, I think that this is a, a situation where – this team is different from last year's in that they don't have as much experience. But the place where this team outpaces last year's is in versatility. There are more weapons who can do more things than there were last year. Well, last year was a was a traditional inside-outside team. I think this is going to be more of a wing perimeter team that really plays a lot more, I mean, even more up-tempo than, than last year's team. Absolutely. And and when I talk about Sonia Rivers, she's a defense to offense. She's a very quick, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to make a lazy pass on me? <laughs> and she she might be one of the first players that we see dunking NC State. That might be one of the first. It's possible. It's I hope po- I'm there that night for that because I, I guarantee you, you want to talk about Reynolds and having the roof get blown off of that place? Oh, try boy, that. I, boy, I'll tell you what. The roof will be missing like my hair in 2020. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, I think that this is this is a, a Jada Boy coming back is a great thing for this team. 
Again, she's a post player that has moves committed to memory. When you give her the ball, she is decisive. She gets it, and she knows right away, this is what I want to go to, or mm, I don't got to look right now. Let me go ahead and, and find one of my teammates. It is having her back will have a huge impact on this team. Um, again, I said that losing her was a big deal, but that this team could still be very good. With her coming back, I don't – while many people are going to say, oh, yeah, we're picking a Wolfpack to finish fourth or fifth in the conference or whatever the case may be, I think I think that if, if these players don't even, like, live up to their greatest potential and their greatest selves, I think if they just play the way that we've already seen out of them, I think that it, it'd be hard for me to figure this team finishes any lower than second or third. In the uh, if they pick, if they pick this team to finish fourth or fifth, basically they're setting Westmore up to be coach of the year again. Well, I mean, listen, I, I ain't got a problem with it in West. We trust. Okay. In West, we trust. We're going to talk about some defensive line. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some defensive yeah. line, the guys, the, the better looking buffet busters, the slightly slimmer, you know what I mean? The debonair, good look. Eh, that's another story yeah. for another time. I wonder if what you, position Kenton played. Yeah, you know, it's not important. We don't need to get into that right now. But uh, the good looking buffet busters, we'll get into them in just a second. So we're about to land this thing. But Brett, talk to me because I got some questions about this defensive line, okay? I think that uh, I think that Durden is big time. I think that he's one of the best interior defenders in all of the land. But with that being said, you're losing um, a, a guy like Joseph on the edge. Yep. You're you're in a situation where somebody's going to have to step up and be that pass rusher, be that edge rusher at times when, I mean, you yes, the 4-2-5 or the 3-3-5 is known for blitzing and creating chaos, but sometimes you need to be able to get home with just three to four guys. Who is the guy on the outside that you're looking at to say, he's going to be the next one. He's going to be the guy off the edge that's giving folks problems. Everything that I've heard is that Savion Jackson has had an amazing camp and that he's just stood out. So I'm thinking he's going to be the guy. He's going to at least get the first shot at it. Uh, and, uh, you know, like you mentioned, CJ Clark is in that mix. And uh, listen, this this is a, a group that has been recruited to be depth. I mean, we talked about this earlier. This is a program, not a team. And Doran has 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 stocked up, and so you know there are guys that are waiting their turn. But I think I think Savion's the first one that's going to get the opportunity. Uh, I, listen, they don't have to be great, because with those linebackers and and with the safeties uh, that that this team could roll out there, uh, that you know they're going to have an opportunity. To uh, to you know they're gonna have extra time to get to that quarterback because I don't right. think they're gonna be you know, a lot of receivers running down the field unchecked. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm gonna tell you what I, I ain't never had a problem with a cover sack. I ain't never saw a cover <laughs> sack I didn't like. Okay, I don't. You know what I mean, I, I used to give my guys shout outs all the time. You know, but. it's usually the other way around. You know, usually it's the defensive line that gives the backs and you know and and the secondary you know uh, a time they don't have to cover those guys as long. But I think in this particular case, the, the strength of this team is is back, you know, in, on the backside there, you know, the linebackers and, and again, with the safeties. Um, and you mentioned the corners are, you know, a little bit suspect, but, you know, you got guys coming back from injuries and I think they're going to be better. Uh, so I, I just think that uh, they're the ones who are going to be dictating this thing. And uh, there's enough talent up front. That they'll get to the quarterbacks. Absolutely. And, and when I look at this defensive line, I the thing that's so interesting about this team is – 
when you look at teams that are on the cusp of the top 25, you look for strengths. You look for what do they do well? What's the thing that has them here? But at a certain point, when you start talking about you want to be a conference champion, you want to be in a playoff conversation, you want all those things. Well, then you start looking at weaknesses. Okay. And when I look at potential weaknesses for this NC State team, defensive line is not one of them. They have a lot of guys from all reports of what I'm hearing. Uh, big Josh Harris in the middle there has slimmed down a little bit. Ooh. And he's he's apparently been rolling and, and just uh, running to the ball like a madman. Gavin Van is another one. And and that's that's the thing. We could talk at nauseum about how the depth of this defensive line, you, you don't hear bad things. And let's be honest, coaches now are more brutally honest than ever. Coaches mm-hmm. now will gladly say, hey, this player is we're we just haven't seen it or or coach speak for we haven't seen it or they're not that good yet is they've got a long ways to go. They've got a very long ways to go. I have not heard anything like that about any of the uh, defensive linemen here for NC State now. So I'm thinking if this defensive line is looking as good as, as it's being spoken about in camp, we all know there's only so many best shape of my life stories. And, yeah, and yeah. we all know there's only so many this unit is ready stories that we can hear. But with that being said, I just if, – if this defensive line is everything that they're uh, chalked up to be, I think that the ACC is in trouble. You know, the only the only time I think that I, I kind of worry about them a little bit is when there's a mobile quarterback like a Malik Cunningham at, at Louisville, which they play on the road. Uh, you know, guys that they have to go after and who can make plays, you know, by improvising. That They've had a problem with guys like that in the past. And but if you think about it, Malik Cunningham is really the only one that they're going to face this year. And remember, it's it's particularly interesting that you said that because last year the guy that we had to keep him kind of bottled up and in the box was Vi Jones, who is no yep. longer with the and, program. And, and that's the one guy that I think they're going to miss. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Joseph, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joseph and and but I'm saying as the, the primary spy on him yep. was yep. was um, was Vi Jones, yep. and so you know it's. There, there is that question there, but like you said, thank God that this ain't the 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 quarterbacks now in ACC absolute ballers. Yep. They cannot do a ton with their legs. This is not. We are not looking at the ACC when it was like, oh yeah, Jameis Winston is the sneaky athletic one of the group, and then you've got Deshaun Watson and you've got Lamar Jackson and you've got, you know, I. Lamar Jackson's such a bad boy. I was watching him uh, play against <laughs> NC State, and I was I was not feeling too great at that time about having to retire because of injury. And I well, I tell him. you what, though, that Thursday night game, let me Bradley tell you, Chubb. I I watched I watched what he did the first time that he played against NC State during his Heisman year, and mm-hmm. I said to myself, being retired ain't so bad. It's it's really not. You know, it's worst things in the world. You know what I mean? I I'm happy. I'm on a golf course. Basically, <laughs> this is cool. But anywho. Thank you so very much for coming out, Brett. We appreciate you every single time. Tell the folks where they can find your new work at your new game. Saturdayroad.com. And you can catch anything that I post, uh, that I write will be posted on my Twitter account, which is, you see it right there on the screen, at BeFreedACC. Appreciate it so very much. Y'all go follow him, man. Like I said, this <laughs> the, the we, they say his family says it's useless knowledge, but to be able to dig back in the archives of NC State back to 74 baseball, like it's nothing, is impressive. <laughs> if the man loves nothing else, he loves himself some ACC sports. So make sure y'all follow him and make sure y'all get some good, great information from Brett, all right? Peace and love, y'all. And as always, go Pack. <laughs>
are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 